God, what a just what a great time it's been getting away. Lord, I'm thankful for the way you get our attention when we are out of our element. And um, I think it's a part of your design um, that, that when things are different and um, not what we expect, God, we, we just seem to be a little more in tune to you. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the time we've had to, to be reminded of how we're made, reminded of um, the mission that you've called us to. And so, God, I pray that uh, during our time together, we, we would be reminded of the relationship um, that you want to have with us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start by um, just kind of walking through the gospel to explain a little bit of how we get to this middle section. So the gospel can be described and summed up in a lot of different ways, uh, but I'll start with, with this, this idea. That we were created, that everything was created. All things were created, and it was good. Everything was good. And he created us in his own image. And uh, he said it was very good. So God creates us in his image. We are this, this unique, um, beautiful, dignified being that gets to carry the image of God wherever we go. And he tells Adam, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. What he's saying is, um, wherever you go... You bear my image, which means you get to reflect me, you get to represent me to others, and, and God's saying, I want you to go and to act um, like I would act, to care about the things that I would care about wherever you are, to care for my creation and my people um, the way I would if I were there, if I were you. Um, and so God, God says, that, that's kind of this, the way the Bible starts with 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 creating us in his image. And then sin comes. And, and we all know uh, Adam and Eve's story, but let's talk about our story. So God creates us, and he gives us all kinds of things. He gives us opportunities. He gives us gifts. He gives us abilities. Um, he gives us, us experiences. And, and we take those things, and we use them for our own purposes. We say, thanks, God, but I'm going to kind of do my own thing. I, I think I know what you would want me to do, but I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, I, I think I know why you gave me that, but I want to use it kind of for my own reasons. And Romans 1, I think, gives the best, most comprehensive description of, of why all of us fit in this category. And it says that all of us, um, without God's help, we can't um, seek God's glory. We end up seeking our own glory. We can't we end up, um, by ourselves, we end up worshiping the things that he created. We end up loving things um, that he created instead of the creator. And we get that out of order. Uh, we end up trying to take the credit for things that only God deserves credit for. And so all of us fit in that category. The nicest people that you and I know fit in that category. Because it's, it's not natural for us to wake up and want to give God glory it's natural for us to want to receive, or, or it's natural for us to do what we want. It's not natural for us, uh, for us to want to wake up and, and do whatever God wants us to do, because that's hard, and that's, it's just unnatural. And, and so that's sin, and, and this thing called sin separates us, us from God, creates this, this distance, this, this chasm that none of us could overcome. And so God sets in motion immediately a plan to redeem and to restore us. Um, back to himself. 
And I don't know if you've ever wondered this. Um, why, why doesn't it go from Genesis 3, where it all goes south, to Matthew 1? Why, do, why don't we just, why doesn't Jesus come in Genesis 4? Um, I think maybe for a couple reasons. Partly because to, to help us see how bad it gets when we walk away from him. So Genesis, if you remember Genesis 3, Eve eats fruit from a tree. And then, feel, and then they, both, they both do. Adam and Eve do. Adam fails in his responsibility to help Eve know what God wants us to do. And so they both eat. They both see, see that they're naked and they're ashamed. Okay, that's not terrible. You go to chapter 4, and their kids are killing themselves, killing each other, right? That's how, that, the point of that is to help, like, the reason they tell that story, the reason they, they highlight that account is to help us see how far it gets away, from, when we walk away from God's way, it gets, it gets crazy quick. So you have that happening all the way through to the flood, through to Genesis, Genesis 11, and then Genesis 12, God calls Abraham. So this is the pattern I want you to see in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, is God calls someone, establishes a covenant, gives them a new identity, and out of that identity flows um, obedience to God. And so God calls Abraham and his wife, and they, they, he says, follow me. He changes their name, gives them a new identity. He establishes a covenant with them, and they... They respond to him. They follow him. And, and, and they live the life that they live on mission. And so there's this pattern of God creating us. He knows us. He knows what's best for us. Um, he establishes a relationship with us. And then he gives us a mission to fulfill. He, he, he calls us to be on mission. Um, and so if you see in, in this thing, it's kind of what we're describing, that God knows and knows us. He knows what's best for us. He knows like the way in which we were made to function that helps us be as healthy as we can be. He knows that. And we got to really kind of trust him and follow him in that and kind of live the way he's called us to live. He, we're made to be in relationship with him. That's what this one's about. And we're made to be on mission. So you can write this down. That we were created to be in relationship with God and on mission for God. And then I'll actually, well, let me, let me keep going. So, so you have this story happening over and over and over. You have it with Moses, uh, with, with Jacob, with Moses, and the Israelites. They, you know, the law, sometimes we talk about the law as like, um, oh, it's just a bunch of rules. And it's not about following rules. It's about a relationship. The law was like the, the first time God, a God, had ever come down to, to the people and said, this is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to do, to, to be in a relationship with me. For, for most of existence, it was them doing rain dances to figure out, that if we do it this way, is it rain? Like, how do we get, to, how do we please this God? But God says, this is how you please me. So the law is a relational thing. The covenant, the law and the covenant were, is relationship. That's what God is establishing with his people. This is how you stay close to me. This is how you stay in relationship with me. And when you... When you disobey and you fail, this is how you are restored back into that relationship. That's, that's the law. And so you have that, you have all the way down the way. You have David and this God establishing a covenant, God um, uh, 
having a relationship, God giving him a mission all the way through. So you have the people of God. So in, in, this, in the story of, of the Old Testament, you have God demonstrating his character. You have God demonstrating his attributes. We find out that God is faithful. We find out that God is patient and gracious, that he, that he loves us. We find out that God is, um, he keeps his word. We find out that he, he is just and that he is holy. We find out all these things in the Old Testament, which helps us understand and trust this God that we are now, that, that made us, that, that has kind of authority over our life because he made us. So out of this, this people of Israel come this promised Messiah, and Jesus comes and he lives this perfect life because you and I can't, and he, he dies um, this death in our place for our sins so that we don't have to die for those sins, and he conquers death by rising from the dead because um, you and I can't conquer death, and so he conquers it for us, and in doing that, he makes a way for us to live eternally with him, and he rises to be, to sit in authority, to sit at the right hand of God, to basically rule and to reign as king. And so, so those who have placed their faith and trust in that, um, in what Jesus has done, conquering these two things that, that hold us back, which is sin and death, um, Jesus makes this way for us to be in relationship with God. Like, like Alex said, we, we were given this ministry. We've been reconciled to God, and now we've been given this ministry um, to reconcile others. Now we're ambassadors for him, going out and helping people reconcile with God. That, that's this mission that we're called to be on. And, and it can look, in, if there's 75 of us here, it can look 75 different ways. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing about the mission of God. So you back up and you have this pattern that, that I was made to be in relationship with God and on mission for God. I was made to be in relationship and on mission. Say that with me. I was made to be in relationship and on mission. And I believe that's true. So then how do we, so then here's the question. So we come to this one, spiritual formation. Um, there's this thing that's happening to us um, that the Bible describes as a process. It, it, the word, there's a word used in the New Testament called sanctification. And sanctification, literally at its root, means to be made holy. To be made holy. That's, that's what the word means. And so the Bible describes like when, when we finally surrender our life to Christ and we we're buried in him, and we raised to walk in this new life in him, that's Romans 6, that the new life, we're being conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. We're being made to, to carry around the, the character and the competencies of Jesus. We're made to, to be like Jesus wherever we go, Lit, the literal hands and feet of Jesus wherever we go, so that we, like, it's like the same covenant in Adam, but just now it's we're remade. We were made in the image of God, and now we're remade in the image of Christ. And, and so Romans, 1, Romans 8, 1 says there's no um, condemnation for those who are in Christ. Like, sin is not our problem anymore. Now, all of us still sin and still struggle with. We still lose sight of. We still get distracted. We still choose ourselves over others, over God. Um, but But the sin is not holding us back from relationship with him anymore. It's been paid for. 
And so we get to go on and we get to live this life that God's created us to live. And in this process, things happen. There's, there's fruit that comes. There's, we're, we're, we're changed. And but here's the question, and I want you to talk about this with your neighbor for just a minute or two. Um, so if we're supposed to be changing, how do, and, and, and it's not really us changing us, how do we change when we're not the ones doing it? I don't know if you've thought about that, but process that with your neighbor. How do, how do we change when we're not the ones doing it? Talk. Go. Okay, so we'll get to maybe why, why you think here in just a second. But turn to Matthew 13. Because Jesus tells a parable, and he uses an analogy that I think really helps, helps us understand what's, what's happening here. And, and, then, and then gives me kind of a picture of, ooh, what is that? I think I know, I think I know what that means, but how do I... How do I do that? So let's, let's talk through it. Uh, Matthew 13, starting at verse 3. I'm going to tell the parable. We're going to read this parable of the sower. I'm going to read verses 3 through 9, and then I'm going to pause for like a minute for you to just process it, okay? And see if you, can make, if you can connect the dots. Here it is. Then he told them many things in a parable, saying, in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly, since the soil wasn't cheap or wasn't deep. Um, but when the sun came up, it was scorched, and, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell along the, among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. So take a minute, reflect on that.
All right. So if you're, if a lot of times Jesus tells parables and it's just kind of like mysterious thing. In fact, all of Matthew 13 is him explaining why he does parables. And, and he basically says, so that for those who get it, get it even more, and those who don't won't get it any. We'll get it less. It's like, what? <laughs> so the, like parables are meant to um, basically kind of help you see if, if you understand what God's trying to say to you. Um, but a lot of times he doesn't explain parables. But in this, in Matthew 13, he goes on and he explains what each parable means. Okay, so look at verse 18 through 23. He's gonna, Jesus is going to explain exactly what he meant, meant by this parable. He said, so listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what, what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Now, the one sown among the thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. So he kind of likens us to soil. And, and um, I don't know if you've ever gardened or worked with um, a garden or tried to produce vegetables or fruit. Uh, my wife and I, uh, ever since California, really up until this past year or two, we've always had a garden. It's mostly my wife's garden, but um, I'm claiming it because, you know, because we're one. Um, <laughs> she, does, she does all the work, let's, let's be honest. So, and she loves it. But, but every once in a while, you know, at the beginning of each season, you have to kind of clear out the ground and make, make way for good soil. And um, Oklahoma soil sucks, by the way, compared to California soil. Um, but, but it's this interesting thing that would happen where um, like, there's a lot of work that has to go into being able to have soil that would produce fruit. Like there's clearing of weeds. There's, there's removing... Um, the clay, honestly, there's, uh, there's bugs that, certain kinds of bugs that just will eat certain plants, and we've had the hardest time growing certain things because of bugs that we didn't know existed until we moved here. Um, there's just always something, there's certain, uh, there's certain plants that need certain kind of shade, and certain plants that need more water than others, and it's just a lot of work to kind of have this soil ready to, in order to produce something. And you know, Jesus is making it clear, like, those, those, those soils that nothing, where nothing is produced, it's a sign of something. Like, there's something stopping it. Either it's um, don't have any interest, or it's don't have any, um, there's no depth. Like, it's just all, oh, that sure sounds like a good idea. Not really counting the cost. Or it's like, yeah, I really want to, but... My life is really busy and full, and I really want to be, I want all these other things too, and, and the, the, that soil doesn't work. And the soil that does work is a soil that's, that's kind of ready, the soil that's um, open, the soil that's receptive, the soil that's 
has, has some work has gone into it. So back to this question, how, how do we become who God is calling us to be when he's the one doing it? Do I just sit? So let's just be practical. When, like, you sit down to read your Bible, is that when it's happening? Like, is some mysterious process happening when you're sitting there reading? Like, the more I read the Bible, the more the inside of me becomes more like Jesus, and then I just act like Jesus. Like, is that what's happening? Or am, am I doing, should I be doing something to become more like Jesus? But then that means I'm doing it. How does this work? And, and that's where I think it really is helpful to talk about what spiritual disciplines are and to talk about, like, this process that we're in. So here's my definition of spiritual formation. It is, it is this process that we're being conformed, process of being conformed into the image of Christ process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the glory of God and the benefit of others. So, so let's th- think. A process because um, it's a process because a process is not natural for us. What, what's natural for us is instant gratification. And this is a process which requires us to be patient, which requires us to wait, which requires us to it's like we're at God's mercy, okay? We're not in charge of this process. He is. So it's a process. Um, it's not as fast as we would like it to be sometimes. We're being conformed, so we're being changed. It's not, it's not me becoming the best version of me. It's, it's, me becoming, it's me becoming more like him. It's changed into his image, not my own. And it's for his glory and others, not just my own growth and personal development. So there's, there's all these things happening. It's this process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the glory of God and the benefit of others. So then we come to spiritual disciplines, which is kind of where we're getting more, a little more close to um, the purpose of, of this, is, is some habits that can help us stay aligned with who God has called us to be. So I'm going to hand out this thing here in just a second that will give you, I'm going to walk through kind of a basic understanding of spiritual disciplines. So um, it's, it, the word discipline is an interesting word. In fact, I was thinking about it when Drew was talking last night about this. Um, in, in my growing adult life, uh, I, I used to resist the idea of discipline. I, I just was never, never saw myself as a disciplined person. And, and I, like, like Drew, many times in my life in college and as an adult, have felt the pressure of life like coming in at me so much that I can start to spiral. And, and I realized some of it is because I lacked personal habits that, that kept me kind of in the right frame of mind to be able to handle life when life pressures on. And the older you get, the more responsibilities that are kind of piled on top of you, and if and, and sometimes the weight of it can be crushing um, if you're not ready to handle it. And so I got to think about discipline as this thing that is either when you, when you have discipline, it's like wind in your sails. And when you lack discipline, it's like a punch in the gut. It, it really, life, life will punch you in the gut if you don't have some of these down because it'll just take the breath out of you. Like when life comes crashing and... 
Um, like, it's just, it's crazy to think about a room this size. And when I, when I see college students, I don't think of you now. I think of you in 10 years from now or in 20 years from now or what you'll look like when you're 80. Not look, not, not looks, but although sometimes I wonder. Um, but, like, <laughs> but like what you'll be like when you're 80. And I think some of the decisions you make now affect who you will be when you're 80. And so, and all of us, all of you are going to go through stuff. You're going to have stuff happen to you, totally unexpected. Um, and, and, and so there are certain things, like being a disciplined person can really be, carry you through those times. And um, so anyway, discipline's not a bad word. Um, spiritual discipline is really just more of like spiritual practices or spiritual rhythms or spiritual <laughs> habits that, that are a part of your life that, that, al- that align you with God, that position you with God, that, that help you be the kind of soil that's ready to receive whatever God has. So, I'm going to pass these out. I didn't want to give it to you soon because I didn't want you to be guessing what all the blanks are. I know how you think. So I want to give a, a kind of a quick definition of spiritual disciplines and, and then walk you through just a few, just so you can be familiar with, and then uh, give you something to do over your time, and then we'll, we'll break here in a little bit. So... Okay, while this, while this is being passed out, I think there are two kinds of, of spiritual disciplines. The first one is classic disciplines, and the second one is spontaneous disciplines, which are, is there on your paper. So, does the back row have sheets yet? Okay. So that, that, that first line, spiritual disciplines. Here's my kind of quick definition. This is, this is how I explain the question that you guys just got done talking, talking about with your neighbor. They are activities that God gives us to do with him. That's the blank. With him. Activities God gives us to do with Him that He uses to conform us into the image of Christ. Okay, so how does this work? Um, Amen. Um, How does this work? Nope, I don't even, I I think everybody's got some. I didn't say anything. What? What did you ask? Oh, no, she, no. No, we're good. So, spiritual disciplines are activities that God gives us to do that he uses to conform us into his image. So, we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of these, but there, there are things that, that God says, hey, this would be good. This would be a good habit, a good, a good practice, a good rhythm, discipline in your life, because that way you will stay that soil that is open to me and receptive to me. This is how you, 
Practicing some of these things is how you remain the kind of soil that God can produce fruit in. So you, you can do the work to be that kind of soil, I believe, and, but you can't actually produce the fruit. God produces the fruit. You're the one that just is the soil that's ready to receive it. And there is some work to be done in that. He gives you things to do. You, you have an active role in this. So um, they are activities God gives you to do that, that, uh, with him that he uses to conform you. So the two types of disciplines are classic disciplines. And classic disciplines are disciplines that are explicit in the Bible or have been um, constant throughout church history. So some of these are explicit in the Bible and others have been consistent throughout church history as being a really effective way to, um, to, to be that kind of soil, to be ready for God to use, to place yourself before God for him to conform. So let me illustrate with this. Uh, when I got, I got married, my dad decided that he was going to, like birthday and Christmas, he was just going to start buying me tools, which I'm like, okay, cool, I guess I need tools, uh, you know. Um, because growing up, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like naturally inclined to fix things. I didn't, it's not something I loved to, to do, but the older I've gotten, the more I've appreciated it. So like, there's been times where I, I'm like, okay, I really need to loosen this pipe. There's a pipe and, and it's round. And if you grab like some kind of pliers, you'll bend the pipe. You'll, you'll actually do more damage to it. And it's stuck. It's, it's rusted stuff. How, how do I, and then, and then I'll go out to the garage and I'll find somewhere tucked away in some cabinet a pipe wrench. Ah, there's a pipe wrench right there. That's exactly what I need because that's the only thing that's going to break this, this pipe loose because it's rusted. And I'll, and I'll in that moment go, ah, thanks, Dad, because I literally had no idea I had a pipe wrench. But you've just been giving me tools, and there's a pipe wrench. So, like, let, let, me, let me use another illustration, I guess, um, for some of you. Uh, you have curly hair, and you want straight hair. How do, you get cur- how do you get straight hair if you want curly hair? No, how do you get straight? <laughs> no, how do you get straight hair if you have curly hair? You- straightener. You have a straightener. And in my family, I think we have ten of them. I think they're in all the bathrooms, maybe two or three. I don't know. And we have a lot because we have all girls, mostly girls. So, <laughs> um, but they're everywhere. And they get left on, and then they burn things in the cabinet anyway. So, so like, think of it like if, if you and I are struggling with something, okay? And this is me. This is if, if I am feeling anxious, uh, if I am feeling rushed, if my life is, is like I'm always late to an appointment, and then I'm there, and then I've got to rush to something else, and then I'm always feeling like I'm behind, and I'm always feeling like uh, I can never get on top of it. There's, there's a discipline that God has for me to do that really can break me away from that kind of mentality of always being in a hurry. And it's called solitude and, and stillness. If, if I am feel like I'm just... Um, Giving in to things that I normally don't give into, like saying yes to things that I should be saying no to. There's a discipline in my life called fasting, where fasting is what Drew was describing last night, is like saying no to something that you 
norm, that you should be able to say yes, yes to. But it's purposely saying no to it in order to be reminded that I don't need that thing as much as I need God. And for me, fasting is, is like an instant wake-up call. I've been saying yes to all kinds of things, like, like all the snacks that I ate last night, uh, um, or just you know, watching more TV than I need to, or scrolling on the phone, you know, just kind of mindlessly doing things without choosing to do things. And fasting gets my attention, because now my stomach is growling, and I'm hangry, and I'm like, why am I, not? oh yeah, I'm, it, I'm being reminded that like, I need God, and He provides food, He provides, He sustains me more than this food. This food that I eat is only going to be there for a little bit, it's temporary, but He is who I need constantly. And so denying myself of something that I should have, honestly, and I can go days without eating, and, and it's fine. I mean, there's ways to do that. But it's, it's, so there's these spiritual disciplines. So it's like tools that God, that, and when you know of the tools and you know how they work, then you know when you need them. So that's kind of what this, these classic disciplines are to me is, is learning about the different tools that are kind of available to you, that your Father has given you, so that when you recognize, wow, I think I might need that. I, I tend to believe the things of this world, um, and I, I need God to remind me of His truth. What discipline could I be doing that would help me stay in tune with His truth? Well, there is one. So here, here they are. Classic disciplines. So inward disciplines help us grow closer to Jesus and trust Him more. These inward kind of disciplines. Um, and the first one is prayer. Prayer is God hearing from us and speaking to us. So prayer isn't just you always talking, by the way. What kind of relationship do you have where you do all the talking? And how healthy is that relationship? Um, so it's hearing from God and speaking to God in order to guide us and direct us. Right. The next one, study. Study is God teaching us His truth so that we will be set free to obey Him. Like, if you don't know His truth, then, then you won't choose Him. I mean, it's just kind of the way it works. It, God grabs our mind and it affects so many other things. Meditation is one. Meditation is, is God using our focused reflection to deepen His truth in us. So people ask me all the time, how, how do you study the Bible? Well, there's like lots of ways. There's in-depth study. I can, uh, um, there's devotional. There's, I can take one verse and spend a week on it and spend a month on it and go on walks and just let it roll around in my brain. That would be meditation. There's so many ways to, to allow God's word to get into you. Um, fasting is an inward discipline. It's God emptying us from what controls us in order to be filled by Him. Like I said, this one is a big one for me. This one is hard um, for me, and um, specifically fasting from food. Uh, I think just like it is with everyone else, for everyone else. But it, it grabs my attention so quickly because you, you begin to recognize how much you need God when you don't have food in your stomach. 
Um, that we can, be, we can be kind of tricked into thinking, oh, I'm, I'm well-fed, I'm, I don't, what do I need? Like, Walmart's down the street if I need anything. And, and, you know, there are people all over the world that don't have that kind of access, and they, they work for the food that they eat that day, and they, they benefit from something that we don't get to benefit from. And, and so sometimes a discipline like this can really help me appreciate the things that I have, help me recognize what I'm giving into, um, and then help me to begin to choose better things. Outward disciplines help free us from wrong thinking and wrong living. So things like simplicity. Simplicity is, the first one, is God freeing us from the destructive grip of duplicitous living. Um, duplicitous living. When, 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 we're com- when we live a complicated life, we're chasing many things. We want fame, we want fortune, we want to be liked by everyone, we want all these things, and you can't, you can't go in all those directions and, and do it well. <laughs> um, you were made to go in one direction. You're made to, I believe, I believe, you're made to, to know Jesus and to make him known. And so when, when, you, when, you kind of, when that becomes kind of your aim, then you can see all the things along the way that help you head in that direction and all the things along the way that will start to tour you, detour you. So this simplicity is being reminded that, yeah, I need to just come back to this, like, what am I about? Um, here's another one. Solitude is God using our undivided attention to help, um, to help see what he sees. Yes. Solitude is God using our undivided attention to help see what he sees. Uh, giving is God freeing us from greed in order to move us toward generosity. That's a, that's a discipline. So it's not just I just give money. It's no, I'm giving to be reminded that God gave and everything that I have is his. It's not just, you get okay, God, you can have the 10%, but I get the 90. It's like, no, all of it's his. And, and so how do, I, how do I practice something to be reminded of that? The next one is submission. Submission is God freeing us from needing to get our own way in order to trust Him by trusting others. And it's specifically submitting to others. Like all of us are called to submit to someone. Um, we're submit to one another. We're all called to submit to leadership. We're all called to submit to even the, 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 the authority that God puts over our country. Like that's Scripture. So there's a submission is a natural way um, to be freed from those things. The last one, corporate disciplines help help connect us to what God is doing in His church and in the world. And fellowship is is God teaching us to teach, teaching us the joy of belonging to His people for His purposes. And so it's like it, here's here's the difference between coming to the table because it's fun and you like it, and coming to the table or being a part of the table and being in a table group, whatever. As a, as a discipline, fellowship as a discipline, is the, the intentionality is different. One, I'm just doing because I enjoy it and, it, and it kind of feeds me right now. One is more consuming. And the other one is going, God, I want, to, I, I want to place myself in this community to 
to see what you have for me, to help me to love your people. And so you come with a different mindset. Uh, confession is the next one. God is teaching us to value uh, the value of humility and forgiveness in his body. Confession is God teaching us the value of humility and forgiveness in his body. That's you practicing confessing to others. Um, service is the next one. Service is God helping us experience him working through um, loving others. He's experiencing him working through by loving others. Celebration is the last one, is helping us see the great things he is doing around us, is learning how to celebrate what God is doing, learning how to have throw parties, which I am terrible at. Um, but it is a discipline because it, it, we need to be reminded of the joy that God has and, and what he is doing. And service, I mean, the difference between somebody who is practicing service as a discipline, who's like helping out with kids on Wednesday night, is instead of like, oh, they need me. Oh, it's fun playing with little kids. That's great. Those are, that's true. But as a discipline, it's going, okay, God, I'm going here to, to like live outside of myself as a way to help me see what you have for me. Help me to position me so you can conform me and shape me. Anyway, so those are some classic disciplines. Um, there's a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster that kind of has a chapter on each of those if you're interested in that. You can borrow one um, from us. The next one is spontaneous disciplines, and this one is just, I don't, you can write some of these down. I'm going to share just a few of mine, okay? And these are things that God prompts us to do for specific purposes in us. Okay, so here's some that, that have been in my life. So there was a time when I was feeling rushed and busy, and I was always late to appointments, and I, and I sensed God saying, you need to slow down, slow your roll. Um, so slow down, and I can't remember, I was driving, and I remember, it just hit me, the speed limit sign had the word limit on it. Did you guys ever notice that? The speed limit sign says limit, and I was going, I see the speed limit sign as permission to go five over. That's what I see it as. That's how I've always seen it is, what can I get away with? And usually about five over. Some say 10%, which I don't know. That seems like, unless if you're going 75, that's... So I'm like, eh, four or five over. I'll do, I'll do as much as I can so I don't get pulled over. Okay? So that's kind of my mentality. So I was noticing I was rushing everywhere. And when you're rushing everywhere, going five over, you're always looking around for cops to see if... And then if you see one, you slow down, right? And then you start watching. Did they pull out? Are they, are they behind me? What's going on? Am I, am I okay? Act, drive by and you act like you're cool. And so it is, God said, drive one mile under the speed limit. Just one mile an hour under the speed limit. So I did this for like a month. And I noticed a lot of things. One, I wasn't rushed. One, I, was, I felt like I was going really slow, by the way. But I was able to like notice things because I wasn't looking for cops. Um, and I was able to like look around and go, I didn't even know that that building was there. Like, wow. I started seeing things. Um, I would show up to appointments a lot more relaxed. And it was, it was just God helping me see, like, yeah, there, there's these natural things that are kind of built in, and you just psh, ignore them. 
this one, let's see, I have a few here. We don't have time for all of them. Um, so this one is, is one that I just actually practiced um, Friday morning, is looking for details in creation so that I would trust God with the details of my life. So Friday morning, and I wish I would have got a picture of this to show you, um, I decided I needed to get out and walk around, and specifically it was, and this is, I've done this many times, but specifically Friday morning it was, I want you to go up, I want you to examine every kind of texture on a flower you can. As many different textures on plants and flowers you can. So I, I walked around our neighborhood, and I just ended up picking a bunch of different ones. I tried to pick as many, one of each f- kind of flower that had a different texture on it, and I came back with this tiny little bouquet, and I, whatever, put it in water. But, but I was like staring at just get really, really close to the details of these, of these flowers, and you can't, the, the closer you get to it, to it, the more details you see in it, the more beauty you see in it. And, um, and so for me, it was, it was just kind of a reminder. One, it takes my mind off of all the things that I've got ah, going on, and I can, can focus on this beautiful flower that God made, and to be reminded of, like, this is where the discipline of study comes in, because I know what Jesus said about the flowers of the field. He says, you know, like, God cares for those things, and he waters those things. How much more will he care for you? He, he feeds the birds. How much more will he take care of you? And so, just staring at this flower and looking at, like, the beauty of its design and the detail just reminded me that, like, God's got all these details in my life that I don't know how are going to work out. That's one. Um, Another one has been, I remember a time where I felt God saying, try and bring up the name of Jesus in every conversation you have. Because I had kind of gotten out of this habit of thinking, of reminding, like, what, what what am I about? I'm about Jesus, knowing him and making him known. So, Bring up his name. Try to get his name into these conversations, right? And so these aren't things that just keep compiling on for me. These are like seasons that I, like, okay, I really need to work on this. And God has a purpose for it. Recently, there's one, um, we're kneeling prayer. I'm trying to build a habit of praying on my knees at least once every day. Because being on your knees is just like this position of submission and I'm rec- I realize every time I do it, I'm like, I'm at your mercy. And so these are just little things that God prompts in me, puts in, in, in my life to, um, to keep me focused on him. Um, so I have a lot more I could say, but I think we're getting close to time. So we need to be moving on. Um, on the bottom of your sheet are these, these, these four phrases or four things, love God, love others, embrace, and resist. So we talked about trying to come up with one thing in each of these to take with you, but I would like, if, if here in a moment, you're going to have about 30 minutes to go off on your own, and I would like, basically, here's the goal. The goal would be just to process 
our weekend and to think through, like, what has God been prompting you? What has he been saying to you? Um, Drew gave you a whole bunch of things that you could do. Um, Alec gave you seven or eight things you could do. I gave you 12 um, disciplines. These aren't all things you're supposed to go do because, it's again, remember this. This isn't, this isn't you trying to earn something. You've been given identity in Christ. And so this is just, okay, God, what do you have for me? But if you want, okay, you can put some of those, all of those things from all three sessions into those four categories. Which of these things are for me to love God? Which of these things are for me to love others? Which of these are things that I need to embrace? Like there's things that God wants us to embrace that help us be who he's created us to be. And there's things that God wants us to resist because so that we can be who God wants us to be. Right? So, so what are some of those things? And if you, if you want, you can think back through all three sessions and kind of write some of those things down. That might help you put, um, put some of these into a way for you to think about them. But ultimately, the goal is for you to, be, to come up with one from each of those. Um, and you can, there's ways to do that. You can start with gratitude. Just God, thank you for this weekend and just all the things that you were thankful for this weekend. Um, and then work it, start working back through the session, spend about five to seven minutes on each session, just kind of reflecting on your notes and thinking about it and what jumped out, what was God um, saying to you, revealing to you, and then hopefully you can come out of that with some, some direction on maybe some next steps. Okay? Let me pray, and then we'll let you go, um, and then we'll have you back here at 5.15. So let's pray. God, we give, we give this time to you. Thank you for um, the gift of just some time to be alone. I pray um, for God, for you to give clarity and for them to, to hear from you and to respond to you in faith. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.